Greetings everyone, Lynn Gilliland at Lessons from Leaders. We are talking in this episode, this is part one of our discussion with Catherine Granger, partner at Civitas. Really a moving episode, both part one and part two. Catherine talks about what empathy has to do with being a leader. She talks about having to her own self learn to be uh, vulnerable and and after many years of having to show up being strong and now how she tries to be vulnerable and listen um, and how those are really the, the strengths or the, the secret sauce of leadership. Please do take a listen. And you, it is well worth your time. And we are so glad to have Catherine on Lessons from Leaders. Here we are with Catherine who I am so excited to have on the show. Uh, we had a preliminary conversation in what I'll call the green room, and um, I could not wait to actually get to the recording because of what we were talking about. Uh, this is, seriously, I've been waiting like two weeks, looking forward to this, Catherine, I'm not exaggerating. So thank you. <laughs> let's give a welcome to Catherine for this episode of Lessons from Leaders. Thank you, Catherine, for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And just to start out with, how are you doing right now? We're recording in uh, December 2020, and uh, you were just telling me that you are glad you just finished a course, your courses teaching at NYU One Class, and you're glad it's behind you. Yeah, I, you know, here we are still in the pandemic um, as the winter approaches and the holidays are starting. And I, I feel like the last seven months have been a real time for reflection. And I'm, I'm certainly feeling that way um, as we get to the holidays. It's the first time really almost in my entire life that I won't be going home for Christmas to um, my parents' home. And so I had to start thinking about what does that mean? You know, I, I'm putting up a Christmas tree for the first time ever and trying to create my own space um, to be able to both celebrate and bring in joy, but also spend some real time, I think, reflecting about this moment. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of reading and walking and I'm looking forward to having that space um, at the end of what has been a pretty crushing six months um, work-wise uh, to, to have a few moments to reflect on where we are right now in this moment in history. Would you say, what for you are the positives? Like if you had to say three things that I, that I taking from this difficult six or nine months, what would those three things, what might they be? Well, I work in a field that uh, uses empathy to get results. And I feel what COVID has done, I hope, is uh, fast-tracked some of that empathy. So what has been exposed over the last seven months are all of the fragilities in this country. We know that we don't have a social safety net, but I spend a lot of time trying to make the case for that. And suddenly, I think people are feeling um, their fragilities. They're seeing the fragilities of their neighbors in a different kind of way. And that is a silver lining because that's actually what we're gonna need to make this country better. Um, I deeply believe in this country and I don't think we're the best that we can be. And um, 
I feel like a, a really important takeaway from this moment has been the kind of um, being in the a mutual uh, weakness together, I hope um, helps us come together and form more of a common good. I think the other uh, important takeaway from all of this is the little things become so much sweeter. Mm. If you think about like, oh, every year going home for Christmas, it's a pain and I'm tired and all of these things. And what a luxury that was, right? That we all got to spend the holidays with our families or spend time with friends at a dinner party. Uh, so just those little things that I think that we in a modern world have started to take for granted. I think that we now will understand how sweet so many of those things are. And then from a, a personal perspective, I was traveling three weeks out of the month for my job, constantly on the road, and didn't think anything of it. You know, I would fly somewhere half across the country to give a talk. I'd fly back the same day for, for a dinner. And this kind of uh, grounding has allowed me to do things, um, eat better, exercise every day, have a routine, um, go for walks in a way that I don't think I would have taken care of myself um, had we not been forced to jump off the treadmill. So they're all kind of introspective things, but I, I hope that they're going to add to who we are as a people um, when we're on the, on the other side of this. I like those. The one that surprised me was the empathy. Um, because I hadn't, I had seen leaders using more empathy as part of their leadership attributes than I have seen, than I saw before COVID. Well, and what you gave me was the empathy for the, for each other. So I hadn't, um, I hadn't made that connection. So thank you for that. I hope it holds. I, I mean, that's my follow-up. Like, how do we not, see, you can hear the anxiety coming up in my voice. How do we hang on to these things after we've all been vaccinated and we, our habits kick back in? What do you think about that? I mean, I think, I think about this all the time, and I think we all personally have to commit to demanding it. Mm. It, is, it is absolutely ridiculous in this country that... Uh, we have a global pandemic and women, for example, have to jump, drop out of the workforce in huge numbers in order to take care of their families and teach their children and try to maintain their jobs. Uh, that shows a society that's failing. And so I hope that on the other side of this, people who were never touched by those inequities will start to say, not only is this not fair for me, but I understand that it was not fair for many of my sisters who have been grappling with this long before COVID. And so I, I believe in the common good, I really do. And I think that that's how we, I think that that is our duty as citizens. And on the other side of this, with these lessons that we've learned um, and with the empathy that we have felt, I think that we can demand another way and it is close enough to everybody's lived experience that it doesn't become an other. Mm. It becomes me and you, and we're going to build this collectively. Um, but it's going to be on each one of us to say, no, we don't want to go back to the way it was. Um, the way it was was broken, and we, we've just lived through that. And so let's fix it. No, that's good. I like that. It, I, I see a movement that we'll need to have. Um, 
So, and that's where my mind went. I went to, oh, what should I do? So let's go back up a little bit and, or maybe it's not backing up, but tell us how you got here. You have a interesting story that's about, that includes your mother on mm. how you were, what your, 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 I don't know, your story of what led you to be doing the work that you're doing. Yeah, I think um, I didn't, I'll tell, I'm going to tell the story. The, the thing that I want to reflect on as an adult is, uh, and the reason that the, the story has become so meaningful to me is that the work that I do is because I, I'm a student of power, um, I, who has it, who doesn't, and how we can use it um, mm -hmm. for betterment. And I believe deeply in possibility. Every day I get up because I think a better world is possible. And the origins for that for me uh, came from, my parents are both politically active and have been uh, since I was a child. And when Jesse Jackson ran for president, I don't know how, how long ago that was, um, over 30 years ago, my mother was a delegate and we live in Littleton, Colorado. It is a white at the time, very Republican area. Um, my, my mother who is black, my father is white, raising four biracial girls um, in Littleton, was um, nominated to be uh, the delegate for Jackson for the state of Colorado. And we went all the way from our regional conventions to the state convention in Boulder, Colorado. And I, I walked into the room, um, it was in some hall. Um, you know, for me now, it feels like the biggest hall I've ever been in, but I'm sure it wasn't in Boulder, Colorado. And I walked into the hall and the screaming and the excitement um, and the joy in the space, what it, it, it was infectious. And I didn't know exactly what it was, but at that moment, it was, um, it felt like where I wanted to be and how I wanted to all, that kind of energy is what I always wanted to be around. Uh, what I discovered as an adult is what I was experiencing was possibility. Mm. The possibility to do anything that we wanted and to make change and using our institutions to do so. Uh, but my mother recently heard me telling this story. I was, I was giving a talk for Supermajority and um, an organization I helped co-found with some other incredible women. And she heard it and she said, well, you left out the best part of the story. And I was like, you know, I've been telling this story for years. And I was like, well, what is it? And apparently we were um, at the meeting where she was elected to be the delegate. And um, there was nobody who stepped in to represent or to say, I would like to be the delegate for Jesse Jackson. And I looked at my mom. I probably was about 12 at the time. And I said, well, mama, if you don't do it, who will? And it was at that moment that she stepped in the circle. And that I, I still get moved when I talk about that because what's so powerful about that is it is it's actually it's what we were just talking about with we have to demand it, right? Leaning in, like she was looking at her daughter and, and get, getting the strength from me and me feeling that that my mother could do anything in the world. And if she's not gonna do it, right, who who will? Um, and so I think that that was, that's my foundation story. That's why I do the work that I do. It's um, why I believe so much in our institutions and our systems and why I, I work so hard to change them. 
I love that story and, and hearing it again, I get more from it. And the, the part I'm hearing now or that is resonating with me is the getting strength from you, your mom. So how we get strength from somebody else that helps us go, okay, I can, I can lean in here. I can, I can do this. And I, it's obviously moving that it was from a child. Um, and what it, I take from it is that is us. We do do better when we have others to help us, support us, say, yeah, you, you're, you got it. You got what it takes. Because ourselves, a lot of us think, well, because uh, I'm not the right person here for this, this job. It must be you, right? You know, I, I, the, the thing about that too, the, um, which is interesting, I agree with what you said, is that I don't have any recollection of saying that to my mother. And yet that is what my mother remembers from that story. It's, it's quite powerful, right? That I just was like, my mother did this and she was a hero in my eyes because she did. And it changed the trajectory of my life. And she was like, my daughter called me in to do this. And, and I stepped in because of her. That's very powerful. And also each other's, our lived experiences of that moment are so unique. And so I guess I, I bring it up again to in, in reflection to your uh, response, because you never know when you're calling somebody in, right? Mm-hmm. This is literally just showing up for people and believing in each other. And it has a significant impact on um, the trajectory of our lives. So I'm writing that down because it's true. You never know when you're calling someone in. Um, Maybe you don't need to know. It doesn't need to be significant, right? Now, here I am calling you in. It's just being there, showing up, listening, giving, mirroring. I see you, and I think you got this, right? It's believing in each other. That's believing in each other. Um, so your own, so the work that you're doing now is is transformational. You're you're always put, as I understand it, pushing the edges, trying to create new things, living your purpose. What, what do you think are the, what you had to, what did you have to learn along the way to bring your best self? Mm, That's a great question. I, I think I'll tell you um, something I'm very aware of now, which is I, I studied law um, I worked in politics, and as a young Black queer woman in those spaces, um, there wasn't a lot of room to not know the answers, to be vulnerable, uh, to be tired, to have any 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 human response. Right? It was, and I, I still um, part of my success is that I can I work very hard, mm-hmm. um, and and that that kind of work. Um, gets gets rewarded to a certain degree. The reason I bring that up is because what I am now um, dismantling is having a beginner's mind, mm. uh, being curious, and 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 starting every day with I don't know anything, and therefore you fill it all up with new knowledge. Um, being curious about where new knowledge comes from, you never know. Um, and what spaces you put yourself in, you put yourself in where that knowledge can uh, derive, and as a part of that, questioning and curiosity comes vulnerability, 
Because if you go into a space um, always saying, I have to command the room, I have to have all of the answers, uh, then you miss a lot. And that is a real lesson for me because that's how I organize. I mean, that's how, you, that's how I was trained. That's how lawyers are trained. And so I try, I'm trying a practice of doing that a lot less. Um, and in that process, I think that it is moving me to uh, where I'd like to be, which is having kind of more robust experiences, but also allowing for more creativity and outcomes uh, so that you're not always kind of dictating the way things have to go, but it actually, um, you're, it, you can build a process and be surprised. Um, so I think I got a little off topic, but that, 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 that is what uh, the response was for me when you asked the question. So I, I, that is it's perfect. So whatever the topic was, this is the one. <laughs> now, here we are. <laughs> because, because so let's just stop on vulnerability because I, I talk about it. I talk, work with people in leadership on it. And the, the fear is, like just what you're describing, especially for women and women of color, and then you're, you have all your things layered on, probably doesn't feel like layered on, you know, being queer, biracial, a woman. Yeah. Um, all my superpowers. All your superpowers. Thank you for that. And we feel like we need to show up stronger. And that doesn't, we don't equate vulnerability with stronger. Right. Well, I, and I and I want to be clear about that. I don't think that we feel like we have to show up stronger. I think we are forced to show up, uh, show up stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that my white male counterparts um, through my professional experience have, have been able to get away with, we just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that is a training that particularly. Um, people of color learn from a very early age from their parents, right? You have to be twice as good and work twice as hard. And that, that resonates and, and stays with you throughout. And so to be, I am only in a place professionally now where I can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be really real about this because I've worked so hard to be able to. And that's a problem. That's yeah. a problem. Um, but that is, that is really, it's true. And even still at these moments where I know I have the respect of the room so that I can actually lean into that vulnerability, there are times when I leave and I feel insecure about it because my, um, my, my instinct is to control and to be perfect. And if you stay in that space, um, then the magic doesn't happen. But I think that it is a very hard thing to do. And I, I, I watch young people now in their career uh, stumble along. And, I, and, I, and it, my instinct always is to help them be perfect. And I actually think that that just reinforces the tropes and the stereotypes of which I grew up under and had to learn in order to excel. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a learning, it's a struggle, it's a grappling. And I, I don't know if I actually have the answers yet, but I think it's worth, very important for us to talk about. So Catherine, um, this is, uh, I wanted to thank you for this, this, this is part one of our series with you. So I, I 
I'm going to put a pause here. So to the, all of our listeners, you'll want to hear part two, because we are going to pick up on this conversation. So uh, Catherine, so much thanks for being with us for part one. And uh, we'll see you again in part two. Thank you.